Welcome to Let's Talk Wellness, where we will be sharing insights into the world of mental health and wellness as we explore traditional medicine and holistic healing options. It's time to have new conversations about mental health. Join Mara James, the founder and CEO of the Hugs for Life Healing Center, as she guides us along this journey. And now, let's talk wellness. Welcome to Let's Talk Wellness. I am your host, Mara James, and today I'm excited to introduce you to an amazing woman, mother, social worker, and so much more, Monica Nepomucino. Hi, thanks for having me, Mara. It's so great to see you, at least virtually. Um, can you share with our friends watching and listening a little bit about yourself, um, your interests, and your passion around mental health? Sure. So, you know, I'm um, the youngest of seven children, and my parents immigrated here to the United States long, long time ago. Um, and, you know, uh, being the youngest of seven children's had its blessings and its challenges, right? Um, we did grow up in poverty. Um, I'm just going to be real with you, Mara, and not going to sugarcoat any of this. And, you know, we, like any other immigrant family, had our challenges and tribulations. And uh, even though I'm the youngest of seven children, I, I felt like I was an only child um, at many times because of the age difference between my siblings and myself. And so um, that also had its blessings and its curses. So, you know, I, I'm very passionate about mental health because of everything that I've lived through. Uh, I live with anxiety. I have lived with anxiety ever since I can remember right around the age of nine. Um, and so it's been, you know, very interesting ride, interesting journey. And I, I, I chose to go into social work because, um, because of my experiences. And I, I feel that the profession that I, that I chose and uh, the job that I do now, I'm, I'm being the voice for those, those young children um, that, you know, I never had a voice um, when I was young. And so I do a lot of this work uh, to hopefully help those, those little Monica's out there that were quiet Latina girls who, okay, maybe not so quiet because I'd get in trouble all the time at school for talking, but that may be part of the anxiety, right? Um, but just uh, the, the voiceless Monica's, the ones that didn't know what was happening with their bodies and their thoughts. And they, you know, I, growing up, I felt like this is how everybody felt. And um, it wasn't until I was well into my thirties that I realized, or hold on, it wasn't until I was like in my early thirties that I realized I had been living with anxiety and that no, not everybody felt like this. And no, not everybody felt that pot of boiling water in their stomach, um, you know, constantly. And so I've, I don't want to say that I've had it harder than other people, but it has definitely been a, a different experience um, when I'm faced with, with challenges or, you know, I feel those moments of, um, of overwhelming um, just sensation all over your body when you have to just go, you know, you're doing your daily stuff. And then all of a sudden you, you start uh, feeling a lot of um, panic uncertainty, right? Like, I just, I don't want to be here. <laughs> let me leave. Let me run out. I've had thoughts of like, I'd rather like run out and get hit by a car than having to do things. And I know I saw your reaction. What, what are you talking about? Yeah. 
And here I am in mental health. And I'm very open about it. Um, because I feel that if I'm not open, that I'm just contributing to the stigma, that I'm contributing to that cycle of not getting help. I love that. First of all, thank you so much for your vulnerability. And it's so nice to hear you say that, you know, and it's also shocking, but it's so nice to hear you say that you didn't even realize that you had this anxiety till your younger 30s. Um, you know, I've, as we've discussed in the past, you know, I experienced a manic episode at the age of 48 years old, and I didn't know I had any issues. And also, like you, like I have a lot of energy, and I think I lived with um, a PTSD and anxiety that was undiagnosed, and that's what gave me the energy to do a lot of work. And um, and it's so funny how you say that you chose the uh, your your job, and I think your job actually chose you. <laughs> And I love that you can use your experiences to help all those other children. So can you share with us um, how exactly, you know, because we haven't shared about what your job is and we're interviewing you as you, but if you could just share a little bit about your job and how you get to use your experiences and your passions um, in your everyday life. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you. Um, so yeah, I just want to make it clear that I am here not as an employee of the Department of Education, although I will be sharing some of that work that I'm I'm doing because, um, you know, there's wonderful resources that a lot of people don't know about. And so I will take any and every opportunity to share. Um, so, you know, I, I, I forgot your question, Mary. <laughs> it's okay. So how are you actually using, you know, you said you want to help all the uh, little Monica's out there. How are you doing that? And with your position at the Board of Ed, which is such a blessing to the children, how are you actually um, able to help them and implement that? Yeah. So, you know, our program um, there at the Department of Education comes with very little funding. And so I rely on a lot of my partners to promote what it is that they're doing because they're the ones with the funding. Um, and, and so I take advantage of every opportunity of people that I meet that have free resources, uh, you know, resources that have been underwritten by corporations or grant funding, whatever it is. And so an example is the NAMI on campus high school program, right? Really excited about that because I've been involved with that um, since, in, since its inception um, back in like 2014, 2013, I forget the year. But, um, you know, there was a, a clear need that was communicated um, and a gap in services for high school students. And so, you know, a couple of us got together, put our heads together and realized we don't have to re reinvent the wheel. We got together with NAMI California. They had a, a program that was for higher ed, which was just NAMI on campus. And it, it was the formation of these clubs um, to increase awareness of mental health and wellness, as well as reduce stigma. And so we took that curriculum and tailored it so that it could be applicable for high school campuses. And so that's one of the, the things that I do is, you know, promote those clubs and actually help deliver the workshops so that students can and their advisors can set these clubs up at school. So that's one of the things. So yeah, the other thing is the Living Works um, Start online suicide prevention training that is for middle and high school staff as well as students. And so this is um, a training that is available uh, online. It's 90 minutes and it is really to 
be able to increase awareness and also how, how to reach out for help, right? Um, if people don't have to be in a crisis uh, in order to access help. And so if you, um, if you notice somebody who is struggling emotionally um, or they're, you know, not acting like themselves, how do you know if it's just, you know, a one-time thing or if it's something that's been ongoing? And so Living Work Start really helps you gain those skills and build those skills to approach somebody and say, hey, you know, are you okay? Um, and connect them to help. They're either on, on their campuses or in the communities. And, and this is a training that, uh, you know, everybody should be able to take. And so right now we've gotten some funding from the legislature to be able to make that training available to California staff and students in middle and high school. How wonderful. So do you think if that was implemented, like some of the teachers that you had when you were nine or older would have um, been able to help identify the anxiety back then? Absolutely. You know, back in the 70s and 80s, even in the 90s. All right, I'm aging myself, but you know, let's be real. Yeah. I'm not going to sugarcoat any anything. But yeah, if, if back then, you know, nobody was talking about mental health, right? Um, even in the late 90s and early 2000s, still people would not be um, very open about living with with a mental health condition or a mental illness. I mean, even for me right now to actually say I have a mental illness because anxiety is one of those conditions, right? It's, it's very hard to process because there are a lot of people who still feel like, well, why can't you control it? Well, why can't you just take a deep breath and practice mindfulness and, you know, take a walk or do exercise? Well, it's not that easy. Um, <laughs> it'd be great if it were, but you know, it, it, it's not. And so we have to be supportive of each other. We have to accept and, and, um, and we have to learn how to live with um, whatever condition that we, that, that we have, but also importantly is, is making sure that we access resources and that we take care of ourselves. Um, not that long ago, I was involved in, in an event, the Mind Out Loud virtual student event that we had in May with Wellness Together, which is another one of our wonderful partners that I just like, yep, you're doing that. Let's, let's collaborate, right? So they had this great virtual student event. And they brought on Big Sean, who is a rapper. I'm not sure if, if you've, you've heard of him, um, but, you know, he's pretty well known out there and especially to the young people. And he talked about his mental wellness and um, and he actually had to take time away from recording and from, um, you know, doing what he does professionally to take care of his mental health. And that was, you know, that that's such a big eye opener for a lot of people, because if this, you know, famous person admits to having mental health issues and actually has to walk away from it for a little bit, I mean, that should be a clue, you know, for all of us to follow, right? Absolutely. Wow. Um... So, and with your anxiety, did you ever um, take medication for it or how do you um, handle it when it really comes out? Yeah, so, you know, I was provided some medication um, that I took on those instances when, when my anxiety got really, really bad. Um, and I didn't take it very often. I still don't. I just kind of muster through it, my friend. You know, like right now, being interviewed is one of those situations where my anxiety level goes up a little bit. And, um, 
You know that commercial, never let them see you sweat. <laughs> totally. I know. It's like, that's, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and it's so beautiful because I've seen you um, in person and on webinars, um, on panels, and no one would ever know because you are, to me, you are cool as a cucumber and you always have the answers and it's so beautiful. So I love that, you know, everything could look one way and inside it could be, uh, you know, a hot mess. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, Prince Harry and um, Meghan Markle came out with that. Um, I don't know if it's a documentary show. I'm not exactly sure, but it, it, I love the title, The Me You Can't See. Yeah. And that that was like, to me, that resonates so well because I've had people tell me that, Mara. I've had people say, you don't look like you're, and I'm inside, I'm melting. Right. You know, I that pot of boiling water is boiling fervently and and I just, I mean, I don't feel like running out right now. Um, and I don't feel like crawling to bed because I, this is so important for me to share my story. Um, because I feel that other people can definitely relate. You know, life is tough. Life is not easy. Um, and there's so many challenges and, and hurdles that you have to go through anyway. But on top of it, having that anxiety or depression, it just makes things, you know, exacerbates things a hundred thousand times, right? Oh, absolutely. I always joke around like heaven and hell is right here. And, um, you know, so like for the past seven years, as you know, I've done a lot, a lot of healing, meeting with different people from, you know, being able to be weaned off the medication after a year and a half of very hard work. But being, you know, I joke around and went from medication to meditation. And every night when I go to sleep, I can't shut my brain. My husband's like, are you going to listen to that again? I'm like, it's either that or a pill. And I said, yeah. I'd rather do this. And, but again, like meditating has been, and breathing is great. But to me, there's lots of other things in addition that need to be done to really help um, even the playing field. Yeah, no, for sure. And I can, I can relate to that. I am not on medication anymore. Um <clears throat> I just didn't like the way, um, not that it made me feel because it did relax me and it did help with all of the physical symptoms, but what I didn't like was, um, what it did to my brain. Right. Um, and, and, and I read up on some of the stuff and, you know, read that it could eventually read to or lead to some kind of dementia or Alzheimer's. And that's when I was like, yeah, nope, I will, I, I will sweat through, <laughs> I will bring a change of clothes or whatever it is that I need to do. Um, but I don't want to be dependent on that medication. And so, like I said, I would only take it, you know, on occasion when things were really bad, but like you, I have a hard time shutting my brain off in at night and I have all of these irrational thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I, I just get through it. And there are times, you know, as you may experience where you've had a sleepless night, maybe you, you know, you've slept I don't know, 20 minutes, half an hour, the whole really, you know, in, where you go into a real deep sleep and then you wake up and you are just kind of dragging. Um, and that's just something that you have to deal with, right? And uh, process. Yeah, and what's so interesting, so a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed one of um, the Hugs Healers. She's studying for a PhD and she said that 90% of mental illness, and I don't like the word illness, but mental yeah. illness are dark entities. And it was ironic that she said it because the night before I went into full fear, I was had to move my house and um, 
faith, universe, spirituality left me and I was in full fear. And apparently when you're in a fearful state, you could let in a dark entity. So all night my mind was racing and I didn't realize what was happening. The next morning, my heart felt like it was going to pop out of my chest. Thankfully, mm -hmm. I was guided to one of my healers that was available and was able to remove it. And my heart was at peace again. And then when I, a couple of hours later, when I had that podcast interview and Shan was sharing with me about this, it was so profound. And I know that might sound a little out there for people, but it's so beautiful. So when you're hearing, um, you know, irrational thoughts, knowing that they're not yours. And I feel that people with anxiety, you know, when you have a gift, you have a challenge and the bigger the gift, the bigger the challenge. And you're such an open channel and these ideas keep coming. And when we don't protect ourselves, not only the love and light and these amazing ideas, but then we hear all the stuff that's like, nope, you know, sending it away. Yeah, so, don't, I don't need you here. Thank you for coming through. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. Uh, don't let the door kick you in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, I mean, you know, whatever works, right? I'm, I'm an empath. Yes. And so I absorb everybody's energy and it, it is both a curse and a blessing, right? Because I'm an empath, I'm, I'm be able to be intuitive to what people are feeling and I'm, I'm able to um, help somebody that is in need, right? By either providing information or just being kind, because I will be honest with you, we're not living in a kind world. Oh, and gosh. so whatever I can do, my little grain of rice to, you know, to do that and be kind and make somebody's life a little bit easier, I will. Um, I, I have also, you know, tried meditating, I, I've tried seeing a therapist. And so, you know, they, it, it's been helpful in me processing those thoughts. And those, you know, those irrational thoughts and the fears and everything. And so I was, you know, told, put them on a conveyor belt and let them just go. So that has been helpful to a certain extent, but they're not gone. Yeah. And they, they if you want them to go, yeah. yeah, we'll yeah. talk later and we could guide you to the healers. Um, but also, as you said, being an empath is a gift and a curse. And what you are literally, you'll feel others' emotions um, that aren't your own. And we think they're, that our own and learning how to like protect us, ourselves energetically is so um, beautiful. And I love that you are sharing your light with others. Um, it's so profound. And that's so beautiful. Um, I had a, a woman I'm working with in her 20s as she was on her spiritual journey. And she said the other day, a homeless woman came up to her and wanted to pet her dog. And she let her talk. They talked for 15 minutes. They gave each other a hug goodbye. And I was like, that's so beautiful because that homeless woman is the same as us. She just, you know, and people get scared of like, you know, homelessness or mental illness. And it's, that's not what it is. So, um, it, you know, what you were just saying reminded me a lot of her and, it's so beautiful that you could share your light and we're going to take a quick break and I get to speak to you about sharing that light and then we'll come back to our um, listeners. Sounds good. In these shifting and changing times, more and more lives are being impacted by mental health. The Extraordinary Lives Foundation, also known as ELF, is transforming the way people view and navigate mental health challenges. Their mission is to improve children's mental health and wellness and support families by providing educational tools, resources, and awareness events. 
ELF encourages families to recognize symptoms, overcome the stigma, and reach out for help. Through prevention, early intervention, and holistic treatment, we believe many of the big problems facing today's youth can be transformed within a generation. Extraordinary Lives Foundation is excited to offer the Hugs for Life Healing Center, growing a worldwide network of approved holistic healers and bridging the gap between traditional and complementary healing options. Visit the Extraordinary Lives Foundation website at www.elfempowers.org to find out more about their resources and events. Together, we can change the conversation around mental health. We hope that you're enjoying today's Let's Talk Wellness podcast. And if you have a topic that you would like us to explore, we would love to hear from you. Simply email us at info at elfempowers.org. That's info at elfempowers.org. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Let's Talk Wellness. I am your host, Mary James. And today we are here with an amazing woman, mother, social worker, Monica Nepomuceno. Hey, hey. <laughs> Thanks Welcome for having back. me. Hope hey. we did some breathing on our little uh, break. <laughs> That's right. So on the right of, uh, on your right shoulder, you have a license plate that says be well. And I've been meaning to ask you about that this entire time. Can you share with us what that's about? Yeah, so Being Well is a mental health um, license plate campaign here in California. It was introduced as Senate Bill 21 this year, and unfortunately, it didn't go through, but um, the authors um, and Graham Wiseman out of uh, NAMI in NAMI Santa Clara, I believe, and NAMI is the National Alliance um, on Mental Illness, and it's a grass, it's the biggest grassroots organization in the country, and so um, Graham actually actually um, sadly lost a son to suicide a few years ago. And uh, he's been on this mission to really try and, and get some funding to have wellness, mental wellness centers on high school campuses to help those students who are struggling. And it's, it's really cool. Um, well, I have these other ones here. These are cardboard. And back here, they share a Colin's story. And it talks about, you know, what the the mission of SB 21 is. I'm sure the number of the bill will change next year, but you know we do need folks to sign up and support the the bill campaign. It doesn't you know require you to commit to purchasing a license plate, but it does um, just show your commitment to mental wellness and well-being and and, and setting up these mental well-being centers on um, on high school campuses. So hopefully oh. your listeners yeah. will check it out. Awesome. That's amazing. And did you, um, was there something about increasing awareness in addition to having these uh, facilities on the campuses? Yeah. So the, the license plate is not only to increase awareness about mental health and, and well-being and mental illness, but it's also the funding that would be um, garnered from these license plates would, would go to the CDE so that we could set up a grant program um, and set up some, some of these wellness centers on campuses. That's amazing. So let me ask you a question. I know, um, you know, I raised my kids in New York. We moved out to California 15 years ago. And the teachers were not allowed to say anything to the parents about the children because then about if they thought they had a diagnosis or something, because that meant that the school then would have to pay for services. 
Is that has that changed or is that different here in California? Um, well, you know, it it what it actually is is when um, a student is diagnosed um, or if they want to have some kind of diagnosis that's required by the school, then that's when the schools are obligated to pay for them. Um, and that's still very much in effect. But I think that, you know, we have programs like the Youth Mental Health First Aid Training, which is for teachers that work with students ages six to 18. It really helps teachers and we encourage all school staff to take these trainings, which by the way, are free through the Department of Education. Yeah. Um, and we encourage them to take it so that they can just increase their awareness. And you know, when, when children are acting out, their behavior is trying to tell us something, something's not right. Whether it is, you know, um, just emotional distress and, you know, feelings of, of being overwhelmed and, you know, too much stress, too much pressure, or it could be the onset of a mental illness, right? And so as adults that work with children, or if we have children of our own, our neighbors, nieces, whatever, um, we need to, you know, be able to understand what students and children are, and youth are going through. And we need to be able to, to say, is like this typical behavior, or is there something else that's going on? And if if there's something else that's going on, how can we connect these students to resources? And we often go to, you know, immediately to this, this child needs counseling or this child needs this kind of service, or they need to be put on medication. When I worked in schools that, you know, the, the big thing was this child is ADD or ADHD, get them medicated. Um, and we know, you know, uh, through all this research that some of the signs and symptoms of ADD are, similar to PTSD or to trauma, right? Um, and, and so we, we, we have to be attuned to all that. And how can we get these, these students, not only the services, but how can we create nurturing and supportive and loving and welcoming environments? And that's really the key to, um, to mitigating symptoms and to um, not having so many people suffer from emotional distress or mental illness, because stress does lead to mental illness, right? Um, yeah, yeah. things spiral out of control. I love the great point. And I love, you know, teaching kids. And of course, you know, like, we focus a lot on like the three to seven year olds with piggy bearer, but teaching mm -hmm. children not to mock or ridicule each other and to talk about their emotions and feelings and to me personally I think everybody has some sort of PTSD no matter how big or how little it is so realizing that we all do and we all get to, if you know if we want to you know take, have the courage to actually look and, and heal what has happened to us I think that's great um so before you were saying um about like being real. And I love how, you know, there's no sugarcoating things and you're being real because it's so important to be able to be vulnerable and to also help others, right? That's others are attracted to that. Um, so what do you think help, uh, keeps people from being real about their own mental health? Oh, that's a great point. I was talking to a friend earlier today about just this um, because she saw me at my worst last week. And she said, and I, so I told her, I said, you saw me at my worst. And she said, no, I saw you being real. And so we had this long conversation about 
how as women, professional women, and especially Latina women, you know, we have a little bit longer and a little bit further to go to, to prove our worth. That's a horrible thing to say, but it's the reality. And so oftentimes we put on this facade of everything's fine. I can handle it. And then we break down by ourselves. Yeah. We don't break down in front of our friends and our families because that's considered a weakness. I am in no way, shape or form weak um, because I've been living with anxiety that has almost killed me. And so I'm pretty damn strong. Yeah. And I want to, and, and one of the reasons I do make myself vulnerable and I put myself out there at the risk of somebody saying she's crazy or, you know, she's not right or whatever other phrases people use. It's to help somebody else, to help somebody else know and recognize that life is not easy and that, you know, there are going to be times that things are very messy and ugly and that you get through the day and you go to sleep and then you get back up this, you know, the next day and you just keep persevering, right? Despite all of those sweaty moments, all of those, uh, you know, feelings of that pot of boiling water and all that, that you still keep going. That's yeah. the important thing. And what's so great is that your friend was there for you during that and you were able to verbalize it because I have shared my story with so many people and they will say to me, oh my gosh, I went through some similar experience and I've never shared it. And to hold something in for over 40 years, mm -hmm. it's just, you know, you become a hot mess. You create kind of a dis-ease either, you know, in the body, which is issues in the tissues or emotionally, and nobody should have to keep anything in. And um, yeah, so again, thank you so much for sharing your story because it encourages others. And um that is amazing. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you would like to share with our friends listening and watching? Oh, let's see. Um, I think just it's really important to remember that despite the trials and tribulations and challenges that life throws at you, um, that you are strong and that you are worth it and that you are enough. I have to tell myself this constantly as a professional, you know, educated, successful person. I don't like to say that stuff because sometimes I feel like, oh, somebody's gonna think I'm full of myself. But in reality, that's, I, I got a master's, right? I'm the Amen. first in my family to oh. have a master's degree. Um, I, thank you. I paved the way, right, yeah. for my kids. Um, and, and so despite all of that, I still live with a lot of insecurities, right? Mm -hmm. so there, there are times when, when folks feel like, okay, well, you've shared your story, you know, you got therapy, you're better. No, yeah. no, it's yeah. not always like that. There are challenges each and every day, and we have to do everything that we can. And if you are feeling so low that you want to give up, if your, your pain is larger than you, the hope that you see, reach out, reach out to me, reach out to the person next to you. If they won't listen, you say, and you talk and you share your story until somebody listens yeah. because life is beautiful, even when it's imperfect and life is worth living. And so that's the message that I want to leave everybody with, right? That Don't is, be afraid of being real. 
Yeah, it's so beautiful. And you know what? So much of my healing has been healing my little inner child. And it's amazing how we treat others so much better than we treat ourselves. And we put so much pressure on ourselves. And um, and I'm sure like I had a mom, I grew up in a Jewish family, but my mother and my, you know, my mother came from an Orthodox family where women would chop liver. So her brother became a dentist, but she didn't even go to college or she started taking some, you know, some yeah. local classes. And then when I started being a strong woman, you know, I heard her in my head saying, women can't do this, or you shouldn't do that, or you should wait for your husband to buy that. And thank God, um, I didn't listen, though there is that little internal voice that has to just say, no, that's not my voice. And maybe, you know, it's a sibling's voice or a parent's voice. Um, and really to realize like, no, it's not. And, you know, we're all just such powerful and not in a cocky way, but in a confident way, yes. just powerful individuals. Um, and it's such, yeah. So thank you so much. It's such an inspiration to others. Um, Monica, if people want to get in touch with you, what would be the best way? Um, I have Instagram, Monica Nepomuceno. Um, I have also LinkedIn, Monica Nepomuceno. You can reach me um, through Gmail at Monica Nepomuceno, MSW at gmail.com. And yeah, just look me up on Facebook, on Instagram. I'm on different social media platforms. Yeah, because I'd like to I like to share all the resources. I mean, if you guys want resources for students, if you want resources for schools, I'm happy to provide those. Yeah, beautiful. And um, what did your family say when you were going to get your MSW? Were they supportive? Were they maybe some were envious? Were they doubtful? I don't think anybody was envious. Um, I don't think anybody was doubtful. Everybody was very supportive. Um, I mean, you know, it was a rough, a rough time. Uh, that was actually when I had my very first panic attack because I was um, working full time, going to school part time. And then I was teaching a dropout prevention course. So I was like, you know, lots of things going on. I, I wasn't married at the time. I didn't have kids. So thank goodness I got all that out of the way before. Um, but you know, they, they were proud. They were proud of the, the youngest one, the little sister getting the masters and yeah. And it, it's very interesting because, um, you know, I've had to do a lot of healing with, um, with lots of people in my family, particularly my mom who, still has the, you know, the misconception about mental health um, and, and mental illness being a weakness. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, coming from that traditional Mexican family, um, mental illness and mental health are sort of taboos. And, mm -hmm. you know, so there's been a lot of uh, dinner, you know, table conversations about educating and increasing the awareness and, and, and realizing that mental health issues do run in our family and that it's okay, that we're not bad, that we're, you know, yeah. we're, and, we're, it, and it became your superpower, right? I, I guess so. I never thought about it that way, but I guess so. Yeah amazing I mean took over my life and but you know and then now as we heal ourselves we heal others that has been it's been so wonderful speaking with you today and to you and all of our friends out there you are amazing oh thank you my friend I feel the same about you <laughs> glad our paths have crossed me too Mwah. 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of Let's Talk Wellness. This podcast has been brought to you by the Hugs for Life Healing Center, a division of the Extraordinary Lives Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. If you would like to listen to more conversations like this, we invite you to subscribe to our mailing list at www.elfempowers.org to be notified when our weekly episodes are published. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to bringing you our next conversation on Let's Talk Wellness.